Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, David here, continuing our listening back to some of our favorite episodes of the year. In the cultish world of cryptocurrency, If 2021 was the year of playing silly games, 2022 was the year of winning silly prizes. Manvin spoke to our man in Silicon Valley back in August. Crypto winter is upon us. Prices are falling. Celsius, which billed itself as a crypto bank, has frozen its users' access to their funds. Terra Luna lost 99% of its value from a high of $118 to just $0.09 cents spooking investors and sending cryptocurrency markets plummeting. And Coinbase announced it is laying off 20% of its workers. If you're not sure what any of that means, well, things are going very badly in the crypto world. When cryptocurrency had its spectacular crash this summer, a $3 trillion industry lost two-thirds of its value in a matter of months. The amount of wealth destruction Mm -hmm. that has happened there. It's very rough, very unregulated. This isn't the first time in history that we've seen a financial bubble burst. But what set crypto apart from other market manias is that it offered its followers more than money. It promised a revolution. This is a fight over all the money in the world, all the money in the world. We need a new set of rails. We need a completely new infrastructure. It's almost like a cult. No joke. Is the revolution crypto promised still to come? Or was this just a huge speculative bubble? And who are the people who are still trying to climb out of the wreckage of the crypto crash? It wasn't a bunch of financial speculators who lost fake money. This is actually real money affecting real people. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, crypto's grand promise. I'm Danny Fortson. I'm the West Coast correspondent for the Sunday Times, covering all things kind of tech in Silicon Valley out here in California. Flynn Weisgerber 
is a kid I came across when I was researching this story. He's a high school kid in Michigan, in a kind of a suburb near Detroit. He's now 17. He's on the soccer team. He's kind of what you think of, you know, as a normal American high school kid. If you wind the clock back a bit over a year ago, he was stuck in the pandemic lockdown. He was doing Zoom schooling from home. He was bored. And he was kind of noodling around on the internet, and he came across this crypto thing. And he asked his parents, and he said, hey, can I take $2,000 out of my savings and start just messing around, buying and selling, trading Bitcoin, Ethereum, Everything was going up and up and up and up. Prices were going crazy, and he was really interested in it. And they said, sure. And so he started doing quite well. Then he happened upon a couple other cryptocurrencies called Terra and Luna. And this was at a time when Terra and Luna, its sister coin, were just going stratospheric. And to kind of make a long story very short, in the space of about nine months, he turned that 2000, the original 2000, into over a million dollars. I mean, that, that is remarkable. That, that doesn't sound possible. <laughs> <laughs> but this tale doesn't end well. No, no, it doesn't. And so this is why I was just so fascinated by his story, because over the space of about two days, he lost it all. Because Terra and Luna, which were these new coins that had a brief shining moment in the sun, both collapsed. They're algorithmically linked coins, these two. They both collapsed in the space of a few hours. And so his million went back down effectively to zero. For those of us who haven't necessarily followed the crypto world that closely, I mean, I'm sure we've all heard of Bitcoin, but just tell us a little bit about Terra and Luna. Yeah, so to just give you a sense, so Bitcoin is obviously the most well-known cryptocurrency, but there's something like 20,000 that have been created. And a lot of them, that's happened in the last few years when there's a real boom. And so Terra and Luna, the goal was to create a very stable coin that can be used to buy and sell things. So each Terra USD coin was worth a dollar. And if it goes above a dollar, then you can take some Luna and basically take it out of circulation and in exchange get more Terra. In effect, you're pumping more Terra into the system to bring the price back down. So Luna was this kind of balancing mechanism to always keep Terra USD at $1. And the idea was that, okay, we know that Terra will always be $1, and therefore we can really start to use this as a way to pay for stuff, to build projects with, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, it all came crashing down in spectacular fashion in the space of two days, effectively. The thing that stuck with me is when we were talking, and he talked about, you know, he was driving home from soccer practice, and he had to pull over to the side of the road because he was just breaking down because he just realized he was literally watching hundreds of thousands of dollars disappear on an hourly basis. Wow. It's a very unique experience, and I think quite unique to crypto, because things can go up very quickly, but they can also go down very quickly. And Terra and Luna, the coins that Finn had invested in, tell us a bit about where they came from. Tell us a bit about their founder, their creator. He's this really pugnacious programmer from South Korea. His name was Do Kwon. Congress is in the process of exploring and discussing legislative policy on crypto. How do you think policy should be shaped? Uh, 
In the U.S., I I have very little interest. Fair. He studied at Stanford. He was very heavily on Twitter. He was kind of a big character. You know, if people criticized him, he'd be he'd say, "I don't debate with poor people." Oh, you're too poor. I'm not going to talk to you. So, what do you say to those who who uh, argue that? Algorithmic stablecoins are actually the most unstable type of uh, stablecoins there is. How do you allay those kind of fears? Can you allay those kind of fears? <laughs> so I, I think that type of stereotype is a perfect recipe to get、uh, wrecked. And what I like to say is that silence is a perfectly good option if stupid. So he was this very big character, and he had a big following. Obviously, the people who invested in his system called themselves lunatics, and that's another really interesting kind of commonality across all these different cryptocurrencies and crypto in general. It's 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 very tribal. It's kind of like us against the world, and he he really played up to that. It's like a religion. Indeed, indeed, it's like an ideology. And Danny. Just take us back to the very start. I mean, how did crypto come about? What was the grand idea behind it? So the original idea for Bitcoin, because that's kind of the progenitor for all of this, was laid out in a white paper. I believe it was October two thousand eight. So if you go back to what was happening in the world then, the financial system was kind of crashing around us. The Dow tumbled more than 500 points after two pillars of the street tumbled over the weekend. So in just six months, three of the five biggest independent firms on Wall Street have now disappeared: Bear Stearns, Lehman Brothers, and Merrill Lynch. Treasury Secretary Henry Paulson tried to reassure investors today: The American people can remain confident in the soundness and the resilience of our financial system. And you had this white paper that was put out. Under a pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto, still nobody knows who actually Satoshi was, but that name Satoshi now has almost a mythical quality. And this white paper described an idea or technology for a peer-to-peer digital currency, something that was borderless, stateless, that could be used to transact without a middleman. So you know, if you think about the way our financial system works today, if I want to buy something from a company. There's always somebody standing in the middle, usually a bank or a credit card processor, somebody making sure that my money gets to the other person and then I get my goods. The whole technology around Bitcoin is replacing those middlemen with software code, what they call the blockchain, which is this digital ledger that basically records every transaction on a bunch of different computers around the world. Everybody can see it; it is immutable. And the idea is that we don't need to trust these middlemen who take their pound of flesh every time we do something or say something or buy something. We can replace that with code. So it's kind of this really interesting idea. And the first fifty Bitcoin were mined, as it were,、uh, January third, two thousand nine. And hidden within the code of that initial block of Bitcoin was a link to a, an article from the Times, actually from that day. What was the article? The headline was something like "Chancellor on brink of another bailout for banks." Again, going back to this idea of the traditional financial system is broken. It is, you know, weighed against the little guy. It is Wall Street and their cronies making sure they're okay while we all kind of get screwed. And so, Bitcoin theoretically is held out as this antidote to the current system. 
So at the very genesis, the very beginning of Bitcoin, Satoshi put in this link to this Times article kind of showing what, what is happening as the quote-unquote the revolution got started. Which is so interesting. It's also very interesting to realize that this mythical character, Satoshi, is clearly a Times subscriber. <laughs> <laughs> One can hope. One can hope. <laughs> and back then, when it was set up, I mean, how... How exactly was it used? Because it's it's wonderful, wonderful in theory to think you can buy mm. things with it and there's no middleman, but could you actually buy things with it? <laughs> How did it work? Uh, I mean, kind of, yeah. Initially, the first kind of use case was for like drug dealers and gun runners. There was a, a dark website called Silk Road where people would sell drugs and guns effectively. And the preferred method of payment on there was Bitcoin. It lends itself to kind of anonymous transactions moving of value from one party to another and nobody has to know who's on the other side etc of course silk road was shut down fbi shut it down and threw its founder in jail in 2013 but that was the kind of the initial use case of bitcoin and it's slowly grown from there but again it's it's changed right this initial idea of peer-to-peer cash that is kind of dead which is another reason why you have so many other cryptocurrencies that have come up because Bitcoin today, even after, if you go to November when it reached its height, it was at $69,000 per Bitcoin. This is something that back in 2009 was worth a buck. Wow. It is now down to about 23000 But even at 23000 if you had those 50 Bitcoin from back in that Genesis block, that's a lot of money. And you're not going to ever want to part with that if you think that things, you know, they'll whipsaw up and down, but they're going to keep going up. And so this idea that lots and lots of people are going to use this to buy and sell things, that idea has died. And now it's become something else. It's more like this idea of it's digital gold. I can hold on to this and it will grow and grow and grow and be a store of value. But if you talk to economists, they're like, this is not a productive asset. It's not useful in any way. Even gold, Mm -hmm. you can use it for like any number of industrial processes for jewelry, et cetera. Bitcoin is just Bitcoin. There's no, yeah. there's nothing that lies beneath. It's only worth something as long as there is someone else who comes along who's willing to buy your Bitcoin. So if you run out of people, i.e. if people just stop believing it's worth something, that's worth nothing. So it, it is a great investment for now because enough people <laughs> think it's Correct. worth something. Yeah. But yeah. the whole thing sounds a bit like an illusion. Yeah, well, you had Warren Buffett, the sage of Omaha, one of the richest men in the world, probably the greatest investor of all time. He has dubbed it Rat Poison Squared. <laughs> that's his. That's the way he refers to it. He's like, this is just a, a giant scam. And you have a lot of people like that. And yet that hasn't pulled it down yet. No, no, it hasn't. It's been this begrudging, slow acceptance by the powers that be that maybe this is something that's going to stick around. But you have a lot of very smart people who are just saying, you know, this is completely worthless. And at some point, the music will stop and it'll all come crashing down. I mean, given that it does feel a bit like an illusion, when you speak to people who have invested, what do they say? What, why do they get into crypto? I've talked to a lot of people for this story and other stories. And when I talk to people about why, how did they get involved, they give lots of different reasons. But sooner or later, they always mention YouTube. What is up? I am Crypto Mason and welcome back to the Crypto Mason YouTube channel. Shout out to the Gold Squad. We look for gold in every single aspect of our lives. So in this video, I'm actually going to be talking about how to make $100 per day trading either Bitcoin or altcoins. There's this whole kind of 
influencer complex on there of people, you know, with YouTube channels, some have a couple million followers. They will talk about this coin or that coin, and this one's going to go to the moon. It's just kind of this free-for-all of people who are just really enthusiastic, but don't have necessarily any greater insight than you or I or anybody else. And so you talk to these people who've been drawn in and they say, yeah, oh, I started watching this YouTube channel and I watched that influencer and then that influencer. And it's just like, it starts to become like this giant echo chamber. And all of a sudden you're drawn in, you're, you're, you're pulled down the rabbit hole. And to a man, everybody I spoke to said that YouTube, the YouTube influencers played a role in helping them get kind of convincing them that this was a good idea. I started watching these YouTube videos. Unbeknownst to me, I wasn't aware of like pump and dump scams and these shit coins. I talked to another guy, this guy, Carlos, super nice guy in California. He's 46. He's a father of two. He works in IT. And he started investing in crypto about a year, year and a half ago. I went through the dot-com phase uh, in IT, and I saw how that exploded in the internet. So I'm like, oh, same concept. I'm going to get in early. I'm going to make a ton of money. You know, he was around for the dot-com boom, and he missed out. He didn't make money. He watched other people get rich. I'm sure he saw some people get rich and then get unrich very quickly. But either way, he said that had always stuck with him, Mm -hmm. that he had kind of let that mania pass him by, let the next big thing pass him by. So he took about 10 grand out of his retirement account and he started betting on a number of different coins, not Bitcoin, not Ethereum. Again, this kind of these altcoins. So initially I did 10 grand and then I put in like maybe five to seven more grand and my portfolio exploded like four to five X at the time. So like getting near a hundred grand. It was close. It was, I want to say, like 60-something. And I was like, wow. I felt euphoric. I I was like, holy shit, I'm so smart, man. Oh, this is great. (laughs) Right? And so uh, what a lot of these YouTube influencers were saying, like, hey, the bull run is not over. You know, we're barely getting started. So just hold on to your coins. So then he took out a $50,000 personal loan at 13% interest rates and put it all into crypto. I saw how much my coins were pumping. Hmm. And if I can make two, 300 return, why wouldn't I pull out a loan yeah. for 13% and then just pay it back in a few months, right? It didn't turn out that way, as you might imagine. He invested via this cryptocurrency platform called Voyager. Voyager went bankrupt this summer. And when it went bankrupt, it froze the accounts of all of its customers. And so he is likely to, at best, get pennies back on the dollar. So now I'm paying the price of paying this 50K loan down. (laughs) Meanwhile, those funds are stuck in Voyager. And so not only do am I taking a 80% hit from the 50K, now whatever money was left over is stuck in Voyager. And I don't know how much they're going to give us. It still hurts me, man. Like it, it just hurts to send in that thousand dollar payment a month. Okay. For nothing, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So he's very clear that he just got drawn in. And again, he was talking about how he was on YouTube and he just, he, he drank the Kool-Aid. 
it's like a, this little underground world, you know. And it's uh, it, it was interesting. The more I dove into it, it's almost like a cult. No joke. Coming up, what is it that makes the crypto crash unlike any other market mania we've seen before? That's after a quick message from a colleague. I'm Megan Agnew, a news features writer at the Sunday Times. That means I might go from interviewing pop stars to sitting in courtrooms covering the human impacts of crime to tracking down the two women known as the Rolex Rippers. We can only do this thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The thing about this crash, if you go back to November, the world's cryptocurrencies together were worth $3 trillion. Today, they're worth less than $1 trillion. So $2 trillion has just disappeared, poof, into thin air. That's a, an extraordinary kind of destruction of value. But I think there's certain cases that are going to really shift the goalposts going forward in terms of regulation, in terms of how people think about cryptocurrency, what happens next, etc. And at the center of that is this guy, Alex Mashinsky, who is the founder of a company called Celsius Network. They were a crypto lender. And Alex, actually, I had him on my podcast back in January when things were going quite well. What was he like? We always remind, you know, everybody that Banks are not your friends. Banks are not your friends. That's what your t-shirt says. Yes. He's this fast-talking, very charismatic entrepreneur. When you put these principles, right, unbank the bank, then bank the unbanked, right? All these things, when you put them all together into a bottle and you create a recipe, what comes out of it is a tremendous amount of love from the community and what we call trust deposits. It's about retaining trust with 8 billion people. The fight is really over trust. Everything else comes after. 
He was born in Ukraine. He came here in the, I believe, in the 80s to America. And he started doing all kinds of different stuff. At one point, he was importing poisonous sodium cyanide from China for gold companies, which they used to kind of leach gold from the ore. I had a mattress on the floor in a room that I rented, a sublet from somebody else. And I had a fax machine. I bought a fax machine. It was like $600. I remember it like today because it was like half of all the money I had. <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to need a yeah. fax machine. It's cheaper than actually calling people because you can get the message in half a page, you know. And I managed to broker a deal uh, of 20-something million dollars. This is in the 80s, right? By not ever meeting the buyer or the seller. And I was like, I love this country. This is amazing. Where else can you do this? <laughs> He's a real hustler, and he's done a number of other businesses. He has ended up often getting tossed out of the companies he's founded for various different reasons, clashes with investors, with management, etc. And by the time you get to 2017, he has just been fired by his most recent company, a telecoms company. He's at a loose end, and he comes to crypto. And he's, he says, you know, initially he was a total skeptic like most people. I'm all about efficiency, right? I'm all about yeah. faster, cheaper, better. And here comes something that is the slowest database in the world and the most expensive database. Bitcoin. Yes. But he slowly became convinced that this, in fact, was something that was going to change the world, that there was a big opportunity here and that he could create something. And his idea was this company called Celsius Network, which is effectively, you can think of it almost like a, a crypto bank. And the idea is very simple. It goes back to this idea of the bank and what it pays you, 0%, 0.5% on your money. Hmm. He said, give me your crypto, whatever it is, your, your Bitcoin, your Ethereum, your Luna, your Terra, whatever it may be. I will then use that to invest in other crypto projects that are all very sound, safe, etc. We have a top team to, to figure out which projects are the best. And I will give you the returns, not like these big bad banks who don't give you anything. So instead of zero or one percent, I'll pay you up to eighteen percent. Wow! On your crypto, which just for for people who aren't who don't follow business, if you're paying eighteen percent on anything, that is like the best money manager in the world. And it was a really alluring pitch. You need a shepherd. You need someone that you trust who can navigate these rough waters for you and help you get to safety, meaning safety means financial freedom in our world, right? We want to navigate for 30 years with you, hand in hand. I have my $300 million in Celsius. Do you want to put your money next to mine? I'm a captain. I've been through this many times. I know exactly how to get there. He got a million and a half people to sign up. He had, at the height, I think, more than $20 billion of assets. I mean, that's extraordinary. Yeah. It was a really amazing, you know, journey to the top. And then, again, going back to Terra and Luna, when everything collapsed in May, that started a cascade of events that sent several companies into bankruptcy, including Voyager, which hurt our friend Carlos, and ultimately Celsius, as well because it had invested heavily in Terra and Luna, or rather projects related to Terra and Luna. So when the kind of the music stopped, all of a sudden the money that they had lent out from their customers to these other projects was stuck, was dead, was gone. Celsius Network just released an email as of one hour ago stating a memo to the Celsius community. 
We are writing with a very important message for our community. Due to extreme market conditions, today we are announcing that Celsius is pausing all withdrawals, swaps, and transfers between accounts. This is a classic run on the bank. Everybody wants their money back. They don't have enough money to give back. Bankruptcy. From 20 billion under their uh, under investment. Yeah. To by the time they filed for bankruptcy, they had $4.7 billion of other people's money in their accounts, which again, now that is going to creditors. People will be lucky to get back cents on the dollar. And what's really fascinating and heartbreaking really is in the bankruptcy filings, there's a bunch of people, because this is crypto, a bunch of people organized online to say, let's start writing some letters to the bankruptcy judge, which just doesn't happen in bankruptcy cases. Hmm. And so the judge has been flooded with hundreds of letters from, quote unquote, Celsians, as they called themselves, people who had put their money with Alex Mashinsky. And they were just telling their story. So you have pensioners who are like, I put my entire retirement savings with Celsius because Alex Mashinsky would go on YouTube every week with his shirt that says, banks are not your friends, and said, my money would be safer here. And he would give me a return. And now I have nothing. Several of these letters talk about people who are contemplating suicide because they have lost their entire life savings. People who have been left homeless by the bankruptcy. So it wasn't a bunch of financial speculators who lost fake money. This is actually real money affecting real people. And you read those letters and it's really just, it really kind of drives home the fact that this is a mania that actually has real world effects. And it's it's really quite heartbreaking. And Mashinsky, who was this big bombastic character who was always online, always bashing the banks, always telling people to quote unquote, unbank themselves and trust him, he has now completely disappeared. Really? We have not heard from him. He has not showed up on YouTube. Now it's all in the bankruptcy court and people are left trying to figure out what they're going to do. In some cases, yeah, with their entire retirement gone. I mean, this it has been a remarkable crash. It, it's destroyed lives. It's a huge amount of money that's just been wiped off in terms of value. Hmm. Is this like any other financial crash? What is it about this crypto crash that makes it so unusual? What's interesting about crypto is that it's always been dressed up as this, as like a movement. You were buying into the revolution that this new technology, this new blockchain would wipe away middlemen of all kinds in the financial system, in media, in, in everything. This is the beginning of effectively re-architecting the world, the internet itself, in a way that is peer-to-peer, borderless, stateless, fully digital, lubricated by digital money, etc. Now that the tide has gone out, and you're talking to people like, okay, so can you explain to me actually how this would work? If we're at point A, which is, you know, the system is corrupt, it needs to be changed, to point C, which is the crypto utopia we've been promised. The point B, the part in the middle, the how you get there yeah. is very vague. It's very hand wavy. And no, no matter almost who you talk to, it's very unclear that point B. How do we actually turn this crypto idea into something useful? Some people say this is very simple. 
this is just a bunch of Ponzi schemes. And, you know, a lot of people have been left holding the bag. Other people say there's a great quote from Mark Andreessen, who was the inventor of Netscape. He kind of was right at the beginning of the dawn of the Internet, helped create the dawn of the Internet. He is now a billionaire investor. And he has this great quote, which is, you know, everything that people thought was possible in the dot com bust is possible now. And his point is trillions of dollars went up in smoke in the mm-hmm. dot com bust. But it was companies trying to do things that now everybody is doing. It was just they were 20 years too early. So that is the best case scenario of like, we're just really early and people got a bit overexcited and the revolution will come. It's just not here yet. So Danny, which which do you think it is? (laughs) Is this still eventually going to be the future of currency? This is just a a series of blips along the way or, or is it just a scam? Is this a Ponzi scheme? Um, well, I think, you know, 99, 98% of cryptocurrencies are garbage. I do think there is a core technology here, this idea of a blockchain, this idea of replacing middlemen with code that cannot be influenced by a third party. I think there is some, there is a there there. Rarely have I seen such division amongst really smart, seasoned, successful people about what cryptocurrency is. Some people are, this is a Ponzi scheme. Some people say this will change the world. Mm. And so it's really, it's hard to say because you do have people who have seen it all and done it all and have seen the internet change the world and helped the internet change the world. Saying on both sides of the debate and being very vociferous and knowing that they are right. So it's really hard to say. I do think though, there will be technologies, the, the blockchain technology, there will be digital currencies that come out of this that will take hold. But how long that takes, which ones they will be, who will lose out, that is all to play for. But that's technology. That's the game that is afoot. So would I be right in assuming you won't be investing anytime soon? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that is right. Going back to... Um, Warren Buffett, who I think if if you follow his axioms, you're going to be doing okay. One of the things he says, like, basically, don't invest in something you don't understand. And I just, you know, for for all the hours and hours I've spent talking to people and reading and writing about it, talking Mm -hmm. about point A to point C, I still don't get the point B. I still don't see how we get there and how this technology gets us there. So, yeah, I'll I'll be be sitting on the sidelines. And at the end of this this crash, apart from just watching the spectacular financial meltdown, you know, it has mm. had very real victims. Just tell us, how, how are Finn and Carlos now? How do they feel about crypto and the future? Yeah. So Carlos, you know, he's kind of got this entrepreneurial spirit. So he's spun up a kind of consulting business on the side to pay off this debt. I said, okay, I need to figure out how to cover this payment. And so eventually that's what I did. I sprung into action and instead of freaking out, you know, I I use all that energy in my mind to like, okay, what do I need to do? He's moving forward and he's, he's hustling and he has not lost faith in crypto. He said he's going to start investing again. And Finn, he's 17 now. He's still in high school. He's getting ready to apply to universities and I remember this, like, and I think especially in America, everybody does. You have to write these college entrance essays. And he said he's going to use his million-dollar year as fodder for his college entrance essays, which I think is just, you know, (laughs) it will be certainly unique and stand out amongst the, the many millions of kids applying to university. 
That's a lot of life experience. That's a lot of a life experience very quickly. And again, he said it was a very, very rough time for him when it all came crashing down. But now, I mean, as he said, not many 17-year-olds can say they were already a millionaire. And he's like, oh, I've done it once. I can probably do it again. Hope springs eternal, as they say. Maybe we'll be in another five, ten years. We'll be. I'll be talking to Finn again when he's a, a crypto billionaire this time. <laughs> you should book him now. You won't get him then. <laughs> exactly. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, West Coast correspondent for The Sunday Times, Danny Fortson. You can find all of Danny's work at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription, and you can read his crypto story in The Sunday Times magazine. This episode was produced by Taryn Siegel. The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by John Scott. If you enjoyed this episode, if you learnt anything from it, then please do leave us a review or a rating wherever you get your podcasts. It'll help others to find it. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.